have in my hand the powerful word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, and save man's soul. Here's our prayer, Lord Jesus, today. Speak to me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now turn to your neighbor and say, Isn't the rain awesome? <laughs> It has been awesome, hasn't it? I just love hearing the, and the thunder coming along with it. That's awesome. That's good stuff. <clears throat> Glad you're here this morning. You've chosen to be here this morning, that you chose to set your clocks in an hour ahead. If I see you leaning forward, I'll think you're in a posture of prayer. Uh, I, won't, I won't believe that you've gone to sleep on me, but if you do, I understand. Uh, we're in a series entitled I, God, a theological series, uh, teaching series, uh, looking at the character of God. Uh, last week we looked at the, his, him being all-present, and uh, today uh, we're going to look at another attribute of him. In the Bible, God says, search me, and you'll find me. Search for me, and you'll find me. And he, all, he says that because God wants to be found. He wants us to know him. He wants us to understand him, and that's the key for us, because the more we are able to understand God, the more our lives begin to make sense. I really think that knowing God is the number one reason why people come to River Oaks. I really believe that. <clears throat> they want to know God, and they want to know Him better. Now, I know uh, some might come because of the fabulous preacher that you have. I, I understand that, especially when he sings. It's just, <laughs> just it's amazing. Uh, when his children sing, it's even more amazing. But uh, we do have a good worship team, and some people come because of that. And, and I love the drums today, didn't you? Some of you, I, I know some of you did. I just love it, love it, and uh, we, we need more. And uh, God's going to provide as we go along. Uh, and we have a good worship team. I, I appreciate what we have, and the volunteers that we have are willing to share those gifts and talents. Uh, some people come to a church just to meet new friends, make new friends. And that's important, too, because you've got to have friends. Uh, that's, why, that's why churches grow, is that friends bring friends, right? And that's, that's the way it should be. But I also realize that a lot of people come just because they're invited to come. Uh, and, you, and you've invited people to come, and they're here. And that's exciting, and we need to keep that up. But uh, I, I just really think the most, reason most people come to River Oaks is because they really, truly want to know God better. So who is God? And where is God? I mean, how can I experience this God more in my life. I know that I have emptiness in my life. I have a feeling that God can make it better, that God can change my life, but how do I experience Him? How do I understand God more? If I come to church, will it help me to know God more? And you see, as, church, as a church, it doesn't matter how good the music is, how great the programs are, if we are not helping people get to know God better, if we aren't helping people take a step to get closer to God, then we aren't doing what God wants us to do as a church. 63% of Americans say that God is an important part of their lives and, and makes a difference in the way that they live their lives. It's over 50%. But more than that, along with, with those numbers, Americans believe in God and the survey says that 63% of all Americans think that God is important in their life. In their life. You're probably in the 63% because you're here. But there are still many who don't 
know God, who don't really know him, don't understand him, don't really have that deep relationship with him. We bought into the myth about who God is. So this series is hopefully going to help us understand God better. And uh, I've appreciated the study uh, for these messages. But there's no way that you and I can hide from God. That's what we talked about last week. Wherever, wherever we go, he's there. <laughs> if you go to the depths, he's there. If you go to the heights, he's there. If you go to the width, he's there. If you go behind a tree and think you can hide, he's, he's waiting behind the tree going, hello. <laughs> Have you noticed that? Everywhere you go, he's there. And so what does that mean? Well, let's go back to the front of our bulletin and our kind of our theme verse uh, in Exodus chapter 3. Uh, let me unpack the, the background a little bit for you. Uh, before we look at that verse again. Uh, The Hebrews have been in bondage in Egypt for hundreds of years, uh, for over 400 years. It depends on who you talk to. It's either 400 or 400 plus years. But they've been in slavery. God's made up his mind that it's time for them to get out of captivity, and so he uh, makes a choice of the person that he wants to lead them out of captivity, and he chooses somebody who's a known murderer, Somebody who fled from authorities into the wilderness was hiding as a fugitive undercover as a shepherd. But not only as a fugitive, but he was a guy who had a tremendous fear of public speaking. He stuttered. (laughs) And yet, God decided to use him. And, of course, you know who I'm talking about. Anybody? Moses. Very good. So in Exodus 3, God approaches Moses and begins to speak to him in a burning bush. And that bush is on fire, but it's not getting burned up. And God begins to talk to Moses through that. And have you ever heard yourself or said to yourself, boy, listen, I wish God would speak to me like he did to Moses. I wish he'd speak to me in a burning bush. I wish God would just speak to me and let me hear from him. Let me see that. Let me experience that. But, you know, in reality, (laughs) we wouldn't listen. I mean, we're in the buckle of the Bible belt in Tulsa, right? If we walking down the street one day and we saw a bush on fire and somebody talking to us through the bush, we'd probably go, eh, so what? Old Roberts does that. He's got one out of his prayer tower. I mean, you know, it may not impress us at all. Probably wouldn't. Probably wouldn't. Because we're like we are. Because most of us are really good at ignoring the voice of God. And whether it's coming from a burning bush or not, we'll be able to ignore it. But if you told your friends that God spoke to you through a burning bush, they'd be wondering, really, what drug have you been burning? (laughs) But let's be honest. It really wouldn't be in our best interest if God spoke to us from a burning bush like he did Moses. But it's how he chose to talk to Moses. And God tells Moses through this experience that he is to lead the Hebrew people out of, the, out of slavery in Egypt. And so Moses has some serious doubts. And, he, and he, before he goes back to Egypt, he wants to know who's sending him. So he asks him, who's sending me? What's your name? What am I going to tell them when they ask me who sent you? And what does God say? Let's go to our verse right there on the front of your bulletin. Let's read it together. God replies, I am the one who always is. Just tell them I am has sent me to you. So Moses is asking the question, he wants to get God's name, and all that he gets is I am. In the Hebrew culture, a name wasn't just a title. 
a name was a description of that person, a description of that person's character. So for the first time in the Bible, God's articulating not just his name, but he's telling Moses who he is, what his character is. So God says to Moses, tell them, I am sent you. That's my name. I am. It's the present tense, by the way, of the Hebrew verb to be. That's the name that God gives to Moses. So what exactly is God saying here? Well, God is telling Moses that he, God, is everything. God is telling Moses that there aren't enough words in the human language to describe who I am. To describe my character. You can't just put an adjective in front of my name and accurately describe who I am. So God says, I am. I'm everything. Nothing exists without me. I made everything. I am. You see, God is telling Moses, I am all powerful. So here's the theological term. God is omnipotent and omnipresent. And omnipotence means, it's right there on the front, first fill in blank, God has unlimited power. He's omnipotent because he has unlimited power. Unlimited power, authority, and influence. God is without limits. His power is inexhaustible, never runs out. Doesn't, he doesn't get tired. He doesn't get sleepy. There's, <laughs> unlike all of us, there's nothing that is beyond his capabilities. And that's good. And that's good. That God is all-present, that He is everywhere, and it's good that God is all-knowing, that, that He knows everything, and it's good that God is all-loving, and that He loves us with an incredible amount of love. But if we don't believe that God is all-powerful, it's impossible to trust Him and entrust Him with our lives. Can He handle the stuff that we face? Now let's just pretend. That it's nighttime and I'm walking through a dark alley in downtown Tulsa. And let's say I have a good friend of mine with me and his name is Jeff Parmenter. How many of you know Jeff? Jeff, wave at everybody back there. There he is. Okay, there's Jeff. So Jeff and I are walking down a dark alley in downtown Tulsa. We're not in the best part of town. But uh, we're walking along and out from the darkness jumps these thugs with metal pipes and they're going to beat me up and rob me because Jeff, as you all know, he doesn't have any money. So, from Jeff's perspective in this particular situation, he is there with me. So, in a manner of speaking, in this situation, he's all present. Right? And then he can see the situation and he knows what's fixing to happen. So, all of a sudden, he's all knowing. But I've known Jeff served in church together with him for now over a decade, and we, we've become pretty good friends. And I felt comfortable saying that, you know, Jeff loves me, and, and, and I love him in a manly sort of way. I mean, you know, we're not trying to be silly here. But the one thing for this situation is that Jeff isn't all-powerful. As a matter of fact, he sort of fights like a girl anyway. <laughs> and he gets scared over little things. So in that situation, I would probably turn to him and he would be hiding behind some dumpster and, uh, and I'd be in some deep trouble. But seriously, he'd run and leave me there. That's right. Seriously, though, let me try to bring this back to some sense of seriousness. The point here is that God is all-knowing. It's good that he is all-present. It's good that he's all-loving. But if God is not all-powerful, we can't entrust our lives to him. And 
The good news is that God is all-powerful. Look at Isaiah 40 there in your outline. It says, to whom will you compare me? Or who will, is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all this? Who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls them each by name? Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. You see, God is all-powerful. And that means that whatever situation that I'm in, I don't have to give up. If I'm depressed, if I'm discouraged, if I'm up against a problem that I think is insurmountable, that I can't overcome by myself, I don't have to give up because if God is on my side, there's still a chance. There's still a chance. And I like that. I like that. Look at Luke 1. For nothing is impossible with God. Hey, repeat that with me. For nothing is impossible with God. Let's do that one more time. For nothing is impossible with God. So for the remainder of our, our time this morning, I want us to look at what it means that God is all-powerful and how we can have access to the power that God has and how He makes that available to us because, after all, let's admit it, we can all use a little bit more power in our lives. Would you say amen? amen. All right. So here we go. Open your notes there. First point I want to make to you is that because God is all-powerful, I can overcome my problems. I can overcome my problems. Now maybe you think to yourself, if God is all-powerful, then why doesn't He just remove all the problems? That sure make my life less complicated. How many would say amen? Yeah. I mean, if He's that powerful, why didn't He just get rid of all the problems so I don't have to deal with them? I mean, I'm a follower of his. I've been one of his. I mean, I'm a pastor of all things. <laughs> Man, he, he just take all my problems away. Now, not you. You're, you're not the pastor. It's just me. No, you know, we pray that, don't we? we? You ever wonder that? The vast majority of our problems, however, that we face in life are caused by people. Most of the problems we face are caused by our own free will, our own ability to choose our own sin. In order to remove all the problems from our life, the first thing that God would have to do is to reach down into our life and remove our free will. To remove our ability to choose right from wrong. He would have to remove this very thing that makes us most human. Our ability to choose right from wrong and to choose to love other people and even to choose to love God. What is love if I'm not choosing to love? God's not going to remove our free will. As long as people have free will, we're going to have to deal with our problems ourselves. But even though God doesn't just remove all of our problems, He also doesn't leave us to deal with our problems by ourselves. And that's the good news. God actually walks us through those problems we face, and He helps us overcome them. He will actually use the problems that we face to grow our character to make us into better people, even to make our lives better on the other side of the problem. Amen? You see, God says that you're going to have to face uh, problems, and if I'm part of your life, He's saying you don't have to be discouraged by the problem because I will help you overcome that. Look what He says in John 16. Jesus says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. He didn't say, maybe you will, or hey, it might happen. He said, you will have many 
trials and sorrows. It's part of life. It's being human. And it doesn't end there because he goes on to say, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Would you underline those five words? I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. You can count on it. Jesus has already overcome the world. And I want you to understand, and notice something and understand something. That's in the past tense. It's already done. It's already done. The victory is yours and mine because of what he did at Calvary. <laughs> Don't have to worry about a thing, do we? That's awesome. And that means two things to us. Because Jesus has already overcome the world, there is no problem too big for God. Write that down on your outline there. There is no problem too big for God. With God on your side, every problem is an opportunity. Every dead end is a new beginning. Every difficulty is a chance to grow. And maybe you came in today and you're thinking about a specific problem that you're facing in your life. Maybe it's a problem that you're facing at work, a problem in your marriage, a problem with a friend. Maybe it's financial. Maybe you're dealing with a health problem. Whatever it is, it's a problem that's causing you worry and anxiety. And right now it seems like it's too big for you to overcome. Too big for you to handle. And I want you to remember that there is no problem in the entire universe that's too big for God. Look at Jeremiah 32, 27 where he says, I am the Lord God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Well, that'd be a great verse to put on your dashboard. In my time as a pastor, I've, I've seen stuff. I've had a lot of different things happen. There's times when I wish I didn't know as much as I know about people and about their lives. Because my heart hurts for them. Uh, I don't know, have you ever been in prayer and your heart just hurts for people because of choices they're making? that you're aware of and you absolutely are powerless other than prayer to do anything to help them because they they don't want the help those are hard moments aren't they but it takes a big God who can handle that uh, you, you know one thing I've discovered though in all my years of ministry that I've never picked up the phone yet and the person on the other end was God saying hey Harold I need your help He's not yet once asked me, hey, listen, I've got this problem in the, uh, running the galaxy, and I kind of need your help, uh, help, help him with that. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know why. <laughs> he should call me. I mean, after all, he should call me. But I've got plenty of opinions and ideas. But you know, God has never called me and said, hey, I need your opinion on this. I need your help with that. And, and, and the first reason that he doesn't call is that he looks at my own life and sees how I've been handling it and going, <laughs> no thanks. I think he's running the galaxy and running lives just fine by himself. I also imagine the other reason that he doesn't call me is because he sees that as I struggle, I'm not sure I could even straighten out my own self. And he, he loves me, though, because that verse we just read says that God doesn't need our help. Nothing is too hard for him, and any problem that seems too big, God says, don't worry, I can handle it. So because Jesus has already overcome the world, there is no problem too big. And because Jesus has already overcome the world, there's no problem too small. Write that down. No problem too small. 
No problem. Too small for God. You know, we often think that God is so big that there must be some things in our life that He doesn't really care about. The big things He can handle, but the small things we shouldn't bother Him with that because He's too big and these issues are just really too small. He doesn't really care about them. He only wants to handle the big stuff. And so we try to handle the little ones by ourselves. And so we just pray to God about the big things, world peace, war in Afghanistan, all those big things that he can take care of. And all the little things, we don't even bring his to his attention. But the truth is, it's not usually the big things that bring us down. And to be honest, when something big is coming at us, we usually can see it from far enough back that we can brace ourselves. But as human beings, we, we, we can endure a great deal. But it's not usually the big things that, that take us down. And, and what I've discovered is those little things that kill us. It's all the small things in our life, like the bills, the disagreements, the arguments, all the small worries and anxieties that over time begin to build up and build up and build up until finally they become unbearable. We have to understand that there is nothing that causes us worry or anxiety there is nothing that breaks our hearts or causes us pain that God can't handle. And there is nothing that he doesn't want to handle for us. There's nothing that's too small for us to pray about. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, Sermon on the Mount. Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he more assuredly care for you? You have so little faith. You see, Jesus is saying here, don't sweat the small stuff. Now, he's not saying it's because the, the small stuff isn't important. That's not what he's saying. The small stuff is very important, but he's saying don't sweat the small stuff because I can handle it. I care about you, and I care about it. If God can take care of the lilies of the field who are here today and gone tomorrow, I care about the small things that you do and that you deal with in life, and I will help you handle them. And this is what he means. It means that I don't have to feel defeated. Write that down. I feel I don't have, I don't have to feel defeated. You see, if God is all-powerful, you don't have to go through life feeling defeated. You don't have to fear the problems. You don't have to feel paralyzed by the small things that keep piling up in your life because with God, there is no problem or obstacle, either too big or too small, that he can't handle. So number one, because God is all-powerful, I can overcome my problems. Number two, because God is all-powerful, I can make a difference in the world. I can make a difference in the world. Now notice this. The first thing that God, God's power allows us to do is to be reactive. Reactive. You know, we have problems that come to us, and because we have God's power, we can overcome those problems. It's a reactive kind of power. It's telling us that we can live a life of significance. I always get discouraged when I hear people saying that they can't do something. They, can't, they just can't do it. And maybe you've heard this before. I've said for years, I just can't do this. I just can't exercise. I just can't lose the weight I need to lose to get the diabetes under control. I've been telling you that I'm almost to my last notch on my belt. Today was the day. These pants are two inches uh, uh, smaller than what I've been wearing. And they're 
a little baggie on me. I'm almost at dancing weight. I still look like a dancing bear, you know, but that's all right. And last week's workouts for me were the worst I've ever gone through in my entire life, even being born. It was terrible. I'm just glad that when you're born, you don't know what you're going through. But it had to be worse than that. Just one, one of those weeks. Geneva's working out with me now. Four o'clock in the afternoon. You ought to come watch us. It's a good show. We just kept walking, saying, I don't want to be gritting our teeth. And thank you for all of your encouragement. It's uh, inch by inch, inch by inch. My doctor is overwhelmed. He goes, wow. He said, wow. I said, what is it, doc? He goes, wow. <laughs> I said, I know it's been a long time, huh? Wow. And so he just kept saying, wow. I said, am I dying or what? So anyway, it's just awesome. But see, God can help us. In our weakest moments, when we believe we can't do it, he can do it. It's a small thing, but he can do it. And if you just take that small thing and don't believe the lie that Satan keeps putting in our lives that we can't do it, just see what God can do. Philippians 4.13, probably one of the famous verses in the New Testament. For I can do everything with the help of Christ who gives me the strength I need. Let's read it together. For I can do everything with the help of Christ who gives me the strength I need. Boy, that's a, that's a verse worth saying over and over and over and over again. It means as a follower of Christ, all of God's power becomes available. Because God is all-powerful, I too can be powerful. My power becomes unlimited. My potential becomes unlimited. I want to ask you something. However, do you believe that? Do you truly believe that? Or are you going to be satisfied with where you are in your walk with God? Or are you going to take a step further? Those of you that have overcome cancer, do you believe in the power of God? <laughs> Those of you that have overcome abuse in your life, do you believe in the power of God? Those of you that have had financial stuff that's just, oh my gracious, and you've watched God bring you through that. Do you believe in the power of God? You see what I'm talking about? You see what I'm talking about? He's still waiting to help you. But do you believe it? Do you believe that because you're a follower of Christ, that you have God's unlimited power available to you? You know, what's exciting is that you have access to that. You can use it to make a difference in the world. And if you believe it, then you need to begin to live like you believe it. Not, don't settle for a life that doesn't matter. In fact, this is what it means to us. It means that, that I don't have to live without impact. I want you to write that down. I don't have to live without impact. And when you put the word impact down, would you circle that word? But what do I mean by impact? Well, something with impact leaves a mark showing that it has been there. It has made a difference. It has made a difference. Now, I want to uh, illustrate that with my drill. But before I use the drill, I want to show you this block of wood. 
And I want you to show you, I want to show you this powerful right hand that I have. Now, if I brought Derek up here, he probably could do that. But I'm going to... Now, I'm right here. I'm not seeing anything. How about you? Okay. Anything? Let <laughs> me change hands. Anything? Yeah. <laughs> well... You know, whenever, whenever you try to leave an impact on your own power, sometimes we need some help. Chris, you want to help me? <laughs> if you'll just hold it like that. Okay, that's good. There was an impact made, wasn't there? There was an impact made. Why? Because I tapped into the right power source. You want to make an impact in whatever it is that you're facing in your life? Tap into the right power source. And God will make a difference. So I need to ask you another question. Does your life make an impact? Is your life leaving an impression? You know, when I hit that board with my hand, the only impression it was leaving was on my knuckles going, what are you doing? But when I used, when I used the bigger, higher power, it left a mark. And I didn't have to push very hard for that thing to do what it needed to do. And you see, we're facing that one, whatever it is, big or small, we're facing it. And yet all we have to do is to be honest with God and call on Him. And oh, He'll come. No, that mark's left. From now on, on that piece of wood, unless it's used for something else, that impact is there. Didn't even think about that point. There's the, there's the next learning point. When you leave a mark, make it a good mark. Make it a good mark. Because God can do great things if we allow Him. Amen? Because the Christian life is not a passive life. It's a life filled with the power of God. And the greatest power in the universe, it's, it, it's a life where you can make a tremendous impact on those around you. And you don't have to be a preacher to do that. In fact, you have a better chance if you're not the preacher. Because the conversation changes when they find out you're the preacher. But if you're just a born-again follower of Christ, sold out to Jesus, all oh, the good you can do. Amen? the good you can do. That smallest mark can leave an impact that will change that person's life for eternity. Look at 1 Corinthians 4.20. For the kingdom of God is not just fancy talk. It's living by God's power. Not by my power, but by God's power. It's by, those, it's, it's by that power that we can do things that, that are, are supernatural, are unbelievable. And what Paul's saying in this verse is that a real Christian doesn't just talk the talk, he walks the walk. And we live in a time when we need people who are going to walk the walk. Are you going to be that kind of person? 
Have you created an impact? Don't be forgettable. <laughs> Don't be forgettable. Leave an impact that people go, man, I miss that person. Boy, they used to speak a word into me. Oh, they used to speak some, some, they used to speak some, some enthusiasm in my life. Find that person. Find that person. And, and, when you, and when they're gone, you miss them. But there's a lot of ways that, about having a positive impact in the world around us. I, I, let me give you just one that you can do in the next couple of weeks. In your bulletin are two cards, two invite cards. Would you take these this week? I gave them to you last week. I gave them to you again. Guess what? You're going to keep getting them. <laughs> you can get some different ones coming up next week. I want you to give these to people. I want you to prayerfully consider who you're going to invite and bring them. We're making some up for Christy to give to the little kids to bring to invite. And they're really cute looking. But we want them to bring we want them to get in the habit of inviting people to church. The younger they learn to do it, the better it is. We want to double on Easter. We want to have well over a hundred people here Easter Sunday, both services. You can do it. A number of years ago, two services, we had 240 people in this church building. 240. Oh, well, that was years ago, man. That ain't happening now. With that spirit, it'll never happen. But with the spirit of God can take and do immeasurably more than we hope or ask. Ooh. But it all starts with us. It all starts with us. Would you find two people this week and Give that invite to because see the fact that they would come to Easter with you means they're at least going to hear the word of God preached and you don't know the impact that that preaching will have on them that day but we'll never get to have the impact if we don't bring them amen so do your best do your best and, and, and on that special day to bring those folks and, and help us help us reach that so number one, because God is all-powerful, I can overcome my problems. Because he's all-powerful, I can make a difference in my world. And then finally, because God is all-powerful, I can be forgiven. So please write that down. I can be forgiven. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, what does power have to do with being forgiven? <laughs> because when I think of being forgiven, I think about God's love. I think of God's grace. I think of warm, fuzzy feelings inside. What does power have to do with forgiveness well, let's make it clear. I believe that forgiveness, the forgiveness that God has for us and the forgiveness that we have for each other is more powerful than the largest army and it's more powerful than the biggest bomb. Sin is a very powerful tool in the hands of Satan as well. And sin is when we turn our backs on God. Sin is when God says, I want you to go this way. This is the best plan that I have for your life right over here. And we hear God say it. We know what God wants. And I hear him saying it directly into my heart. But I decide because of sin, I'm going to go a different way. Turn my back on God. I disobey God. The power of sin is death. The power of sin is separation from God. And when we turn our backs on God, when we sin, it fuels that insurmountable wall that gets built between us because of our sin. Isaiah 59 talks about that. Sin creates the wall. And no matter how hard we try, we can't overcome it. We can't climb it, can't destroy it, we can't knock it down. 
There's a wall between us and God. It prevents God's presence. It prevents God's power from entering our lives and from being real in our lives. It separates us from God for all eternity. Sin will. Prevents us from spending that blessed eternity with Him. It's powerful. Sin is very powerful. But I want you to listen to me for a moment. There's nothing that we can do that overcomes this wall that sin builds in our life. It doesn't matter how good we try to be. It doesn't matter how hard we try. We can't overcome that wall. But God can. God can. God can knock the wall down. God can destroy the barrier between us. His power and His power alone can overcome the sin that separates us from God. Look at Romans 6 and verse 10. He died once to defeat sin, and now he lives for the glory of God. You see, the single most powerful act in human history took place some 2,000 years ago on a cross. No event so much has ever changed the history of mankind and yet been so simple. Jesus overcame the power that sin has over us and over the world, and he did it by dying on the cross. And in believing that powerful act of love, that's the only way that we can defeat the sin that's in our lives. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1. I know very well how foolish the message of the cross sounds to those who are on the road to destruction. He says, I know it sounds foolish that the power of God is represented in the most pure facet of Jesus' humiliating death on the cross. But look what he goes on to say. But we who are being saved recognize this message as what? The very power of God. So the message of the cross is the very power of God because through the cross, Christ breaks the power of sin in our life. And for you and me, that means that we don't have to be separated from God anymore. The last fill-in blank there, write it down. I don't have to be separated from God. You don't have to be. You can know God personally. You can defeat the sin in your life and have a real relationship with, with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. And my prayer today is that you now have a better understanding of who God is, maybe even before you, you came to the service today. But I want you to know that God wants more from you and more from me than just to understand who He is. He wants to know us. He wants to be open with us and us to be open with Him in our lives. He wants us to experience every part of Him in our life. He wants us to experience His unlimited power. Unlimited power that overcomes the problems that we face in life. The unlimited power to make a positive difference in the world that's around us. The limited power to overcome the sin that's in our lives that separates us from God and be forgiven. And all you have to do to receive that unlimited power of God is simply say to him today, I'm ready. I'm ready. I surrender, Lord, to you. Our memory verse, and we read it earlier, Revelation 3.20. It's the memory verse that's in your, in your bulletin. Let's read it together. Ready? Look, I have been standing at the door, and I'm constantly knocking. If anyone hears me calling him and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. Now, we've memorized it in a different version. But it says the same thing. Because you see, the all-powerful God, the strongest force in the universe, is standing at the door of our hearts, the door of our lives, and He's knocking. He's knocking. Because He wants to come in 
to our lives. He wants to come in and spend some time and transform our lives by His unlimited power. He wants to come in and be drawn to us. You're not here by accident today. You're here because God's called you to be here. And He's calling you to Himself. He stands at the door of your heart, the door of your life. He wants to come in and change your life, be a part of your life. All you have to do is open your life, open your heart, and it's easy. It's easy. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe this is the first time that you've ever heard this or you've ever thought about this. You've never encountered God before today. You've never experienced God's power in your life. And it's a brand new to you. Or maybe you're here today and you've heard this before, but your heart has just become so bitter and it's become so hard because of circumstances that have happened in your life. I don't know what's going on with you, but God does. But today you can open your life to that all-powerful God who wants you to know him. So maybe you need to pray this prayer with me. You pray silently in your heart while I pray it out loud. God, I want to hear better from you. I want to better understand who you are. Even more than that, I want to know you. I want to experience you. I want to, uh, I, I want to change my life in you. You're all-powerful, and I want to experience that power today. God, help me to trust you with my life. God, today I feel strongly that you are drawing me closer to you, and I want to open my life to you. Would you come into my life and make me the person that you created me to be? And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe today, today's a good day for you to respond to Christ. Have a hymn of invitation that we always sing. And we will always offer an invitation. And so if God is tugging at your heart to respond to him in some way today, would you do it?